0: Shema say hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are we all? What's I'm going on?
1: Good, thank you. Oh, all you're right. not asking me, you're asking our audience. Um- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm breaking the fourth wall here and, and oh, speaking God. directly to the audience. It's wild, man. It is wild. It's wild. So this week, you might notice Brett is not with us, but we are doing a special episode this week and you're originally going to do it on your own, but we've decided to make this a bit more of a conversation because I just, I'm fascinated about this topic and want to just simply ask you a lot of questions, but we are going to discuss this week how to consume anime as a feminist.
1: Yeah. Well, basically, when we talked about doing this episode, I talked about doing it alone and just coming with a bunch of recommendations and chatting about it, and I realized that was kind of redundant. Feminism in itself is actually an academic kind of lens. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to skew this towards like even just being able to watch a show without feeling inherently uncomfortable. And I think that's not necessarily gendered. Like oh yeah, Sam and I have talked about the concept of really good shows being ruined by fan service before. Yes. And I'm if you don't know what fan service is, it's basically when there's just lewd shots of like just sexualized images for no apparent reason at yeah. any given point that has nothing to do with the plotline, and in anime, is fairly gratuitous. Oh and yeah. It's just really uncomfortable. So I wanted to, whenever I suggest animated people, I'm always very conscious of what I'm recommending mm-hmm. just because I don't want to be, you know, people watching. it. I've like, such a great storyline. They're like, how did you handle like the clear sexual shots of an underage schoolgirl's panties? And I'm like, I realized I was putting my blinkers on for that a bit. You kind of get a bit, which is not good. So (laughs) I decided to do a bit of a deep dive into shows that I would be able to watch and comfortably recommend to people and not just females, any gender, Mm -hmm. no binary here, anyone at all, any human being that could watch us without feeling uncomfortable about explicit sexual content.
0: Absolutely. And look, it's it's definitely something, it's obviously not exclusive to anime, but it's pretty widespread Mm. and it is a big barrier especially in our show, is called Gateway to Anime. We're here to give you gateways into this entire medium and the overt sexualization of particularly younger characters. And we've spoken about it briefly before, you know, about the censorship thing, the earlier episode, Manga vs Comics, where we talked about the censorship wasn't applicable to manga, where it was to everything else post-World War II because the Americans wouldn't allow them to make films and television shows which showed militarism and, and, and things like that whereas manga was all better off which is why in the 80s there was a whole thing with pornography being banned but it wasn't again wasn't banned in mangas so you got this really weird kind of culture here where manga sort of anything goes but as a result you get a lot of really fucked up stuff which really fucking it fucking hurts my soul a lot of the time a lot of the time I'm watching something I'm like ah oh,
1: Fuck, no, no, why are you doing this? Stop, please. It, it makes s- it really hard to be a fan.
0: It does. It, and, and it, it turns really a lot of people does. off and it's fair enough. And there's a lot out there that doesn't do it. And most the of thing. the things we've talked about on this show doesn't do it. And you're right, sometimes I do put my blinkers on for for better shows. And as you know, et- do you want to explain what etchy is?
1: Etchy is literally just like higher sexual content. So it's yeah. a bit more explicit in that way. And you know, I have no issue with sexually explicit TV shows in that way, but yeah, the way that Thrones. they're framed often in this situation, it's it's quite uncomfortable. Usually, because it's involving a lot of underage. which I'm high never school, okay with high yeah. school
0: age people. Yeah, and we spoke about this earlier about that Australian senator who was trying to get a whole bunch of shows classified as being completely inappropriate and being child exploitation material. Which is fair. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's picked probably some ones which aren't quite as bad. There are other ones you could I mean, look. <laughs> again, I'm not trying to defend it. Uh, like sort out online. <laughs> isn't necessarily one which needs to be banned because I don't think it actually goes there, but it does sexualize characters who are in high school, which is kind of wrong. But I mean, at that point, are are we going to ban skins?
1: You know, uh, know,
0: where do you draw the line? But uh, I sound like I'm defending this. I'm not, I hate it. I fucking hate it more than anything. It kills me.
1: Sam and I've been trying to skirt around this subject because we don't really know how to talk about it because in one, like, again, we're a Western audience consuming a Medium that is not actually, you know, created by. It's it's hard to kind of say. I don't want to put oh, like full on lens that we don't really understand. There could be cultural differences there that we don't get. But in this way, I do think that this the otaku culture is its own thing and has nothing to do with Japan. Really, it's its own kind of like, and we've kind yes. of and actually on that Australian senator, you know, they just passed a bill where a lot of manga, sexually explicit manga, been banned from being imported into Australia. It's a like two They've days ago. Oh, they got oh yeah, two days. Okay, it. yeah, they did it. Yes. so and I think that's you know, could actually be a positive thing. Basically what we, we've always wanted to do is we've loved so much anime from the start. And so are so many people. And there's, but like just sifting through stuff because you can accidentally find yourself watching something that is just, you know, oh man. trash. And yeah. you're like, why am I doing this? And <laughs> it's just because it is such a big genre though. Anime is Japanese animation. It's so yeah. big. So you get, Terrible, it's like any kind of medium. Basically, we've been skirting around this because I didn't really want to put like a full opinion on there as someone who is definitely a feminist. I just didn't want to go too academic with it, but then Sam started spouting some philosophy <laughs> bullshit and I was like, you know what, uh, I can do that, that's fine. So here we are. Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Well, let's get into it. I'm going to start, I'm going to talk about a couple of things today because when I say it's hard to be an anime fan, I mean that with shows that we're talking about now, uh, you know, which we talk about things that are fan and a bit awkward and a bit kind of gross, but also... The idea of identifying as a nerd in a fandom in general as a female Mm -hmm. or as a not basically, not a female, sorry, as not a man. I really don't like to talk in binaries here, but I'm saying there is a really kind of a toxic, misogynist culture that comes along with nerd fandom. Oh, yeah. So as someone who does identify as female, I find that I often am having to prove myself as a true fan and oh, yeah. not an attention seeking like and we'll get onto it later there's a lot of study into it as well and there's a lot of examples of how that is pretty toxic and be quite confronting and that's a lot to do with the internet having kind of these imagined spaces where people can it's it's it is very interesting and very meaty, and i'll get into it and i again though i don't want to completely like disown fandom in general because i, I we always talk about wanting lo- loving belonging to this community and having mm. you know people to talk about what we love but Unfortunately, there is a dark side to it.
0: Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. it
1: is something that I want to address.
0: Oh yeah, I think it needs to be addressed, and yeah. I don't necessarily think we're going to find the answers so we don't possess them. Um, to, I actually you know, have the answers. Oh yeah, we're going to fix uh, the anime community. <laughs> the, oh, no, <laughs> we're going to fix misogyny in, in Western society and, and Eastern society. We're going to do it right here, right now on the podcast. Yeah. No, but I, I think it's just good to talk about. I offer any discourse, you know, on our socials if you're interested, if or if you are someone who identifies as a female in this fandom. I'd love to hear any experiences that you've had as well. Talk to Charlie, you know, it's really, it's really interesting without derailing it too hard. Like Gamergate is a really good example of, of a toxic male fandom, which is not far removed from the anime community. And not, not all gamers aren't anime fans and, and vice versa, obviously, but Hashtag they do- Hashtag, not all, sorry. <laughs> not all <laughs> gamers, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, they share, they share some of the fervent fan, and we, we spoke about this a little bit in the Neon Genesis episode as well, about the, otaku culture and, mm-hmm. and you know, Hideaki Yano's pushback against it, but also kind of simultaneous love letter to it. Because I think being a part of a fandom like this, you do feel different and you do feel that you are part of an exclusive club. And that's cool, that's great. It's nice to feel like you belong and it's nice to feel like you've been embraced by a tribe, you know, which is what we're all constantly trying to do anyway. And I think it's cool, but the problem is there's a lot of gatekeepers and there's a lot of, as you said, rough misogyny and kind of like, well, you can't be a chicken like this. It's not your thing. It's mine. Ours. So, you know, but it's like, who the fuck said that? You know, like, what's that all about? And yeah, talk to us about it, Charlotte. I'm, I'm going to stop mansplaining this because that's not a good fucking start.
1: No, no, um, no. I think it's like, because I think that it's not fair to be like, oh, I am a female. I can talk about this. because I think that you're like, like, I think you're in a similar boat and that you want to identify as a fan of this stuff but you also don't want to be associated with that. 100%. And I think that, it's become pretty dark. There's a lot of like unfortunately a lot of anime kind of imagery and mm. mascots have become associated with the incel movement, with Yes. so yes. many right wing, which is so sad because honestly, most anime that we watch really do not promote that kind of thing. It's usually about like people trying to fight for freedom and like, you know, <laughs> all of that tr- I'm just finding it interesting. It's like Naruto's the face of an incel. I'm like, what? Like that's fucked. It's just, it's deeply it's strange. But also that's, you know, separate from the actual anime itself. It's hard to identify as a fam within a toxic culture, but also still like material that has literally nothing to do with that. It's just been taken by a group of people and not necessarily in a bad way all the time. As you were saying, it's nice to feel like you belong. And I remember in high school, like I just longed to have people that I could talk to about Naruto and all these Mm. shows I was watching. And um, I didn't quite get on the YouTube anime YouTubers train. It took me a while, yeah. Yeah, I probably should have earlier, it would have been good. And I'm sure there's there's a lot of really good ones out there. Sam and I talk about our favorite Giggle all the time. Giggle like, Chris fantastic. If you want a
0: good anime YouTuber, there's a you guy.
1: Yeah, there's some really, really great people out there doing that stuff and have been from the get go. But I remember I created like a burner Reddit account so I could talk to people on r slash <laughs> anime for ages. But then before that, that was 4chan was the go-to. Yeah, yeah. Which is not an ideal situation. Again, that is just, it's just a, yeah. It, I don't understand how this, there must be so much research into why those cultures are kind of mixed, or why yeah. the incel movement and why all that stuff, well, is connected with nerd culture. Yeah, well, I mean, look,
0: there are. <laughs> you look up, you you watch etchy if you watch etchy animes or you get into that hentai thing, which I haven't touched at all. It's not for me in the slightest. Though. as soon as I get, as soon as I see fan service in a fucking show, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, just, it's just global,
1: we hate it. Like, yeah, well, I mean, you know what I mean? No, it's it's seriously, just, it's, it's, it's really off
0: putting. It really throws me off. And like, you're right. Sometimes. Like There's a show right now that I'm watching called Fire Force which is just a trash shonen, and it's by the same guy who made Soul Leader, Another great show with a terrible ending but another really cool show. And it's it's, it's really it's a cool. Terrible ending. Terrible ending. Both manga and anime. They're different endings and they both suck. Anyway, it's a fun show. You should check it out. And it actually has a female protagonist in your shonen, Mackie. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, uh, one of the few. However, a lot of ecchi in the show. Lot And there's this one. The episode I watched of Fire Force last night, there is a character called Tamaki. And if you go on Reddit, you see debates about this all the time because her whole power essentially, well, first of all, her, it, the show's about the world has been reduced to ashes by something called the great cataclysm. And basically people become can just all of a sudden spontaneously combust and become what is called an infernal where they get enveloped by flames and become like a demon-like creature. And now there is the fire force who are people who are born with the ability to manipulate fire. So they have like you know the lead guy shoots fire out of his feet, so he kind of like a, like propels himself like Iron Man to a degree, and that's his that's his flame power. And everyone has different flame powers, and it's really cool. It's a really cool world, but it's fucking trash.
1: It's trash, but it's a beautifully animated. Looks amazing. It's like, great it's aesthetic. like Really top top tier animation. Yep. Tra- like don't watch it. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's <laughs> don't do it to yourself. <laughs> you don't need to. I'm, I'm watching it for you. But no, there, I'll, ta- I'll take one for the two. I'll watch team. five. But you know, it's quite popular. It's very popular. But this character Tamaki. Her whole fucking power is so she has a little like. First of all, she envelops her her body in flames, which in the shape of a cat. So kind of a cat girl thing. Already off to a bad start, but it gets worse. Her actual ability.
1: What do you got against cats?
0: Cat girl thing. Uh, I mean, mean, there's a sexual inherent sexualization already there. You know, that's a weird thing. Uh, (laughs) But then on top of that, her whole thing is that people around her and she herself well, accidentally she'll fall over and her clothes fall off and oh, or like the main character will trip and fall face first into her cleavage and it's like, it's just a joke they repeat over and over and over and over and over and it always happens at a really stupid inopportune time which just breaks the tension and it's just, it's gratuitous, it's overt, it's annoying and it's just so fucking frustrating because you're watching this like, you know, kind of brain dead show about this really cool fire world where people are doing this really cool stuff and then this chick rocks up and someone falls face first into a, Cleavage, and all she falls over, and all of her clothes come it's off.
1: It's a pacing nightmare. It is. You're it like, sucks. just from like generally I don't even. So I do want to just say we're not trying to shame people who are into the fan servicey stuff. Fair enough. At man. all, nope. like that's totally fine if you're into that. There's like I'm not saying it just because you like that. You're like a part of. Like, you're not like you're glad like to like whatever you find like. Like no shame here. But I just do think that like for for me it is just interesting to to navigate. Why it's kind of annoying. I think annoying is the best word for it's fire. super Force. annoying. Like, why? Super annoying. It's why so are you are you gonna unnecessary.
0: Do that? If I was to show a complete noob Fire Force, they'd be like, what the f? And that episode or any episode with Tamaki in it where that particular power gets enacted. You're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is this? I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't, she's not in it all the time. Don't worry about
1: it. You know, like. Yeah, the blinkers <laughs> come out. You're like, oh yeah. No, wait, that is
0: fucked and stupid and annoying. So yeah, like that's just my little taste of something I literally was watching last night. And there was a particular episode where they really focused in on it. And look, it is kind of aware of itself. It knows that it's dumb. And like unlike some others, like for High School of the Dead, uh, which is oh just awful. I mean, my god, it's like Larry Clark made a fucking anime. You know, it's like it's it's so bad. But that that one's where it's really gratuitous. High School of the Dead, and they take it very very seriously. Whereas Fire Force, at least, is tongue in cheek and knows it's dumb. And again, I sound like I'm defending this. I'm not. I fucking hate it. It pulls me out of every episode she's in. I'm like, oh god, fuck, ugh, ugh. Here we go again. But like, at least it is kind of aware of itself and tries to make a joke of it to a degree. But it's not. It's not cool. I don't like it.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. It's just going to get to the meat of me talking about things that I think would be interesting if you are uncomfortable watching that kind of stuff. These are some safer shows to watch, I think. Mm. Not safe in the way that their ideas aren't, you know, edgy. I'm just saying there's not gratuitous fan service (laughs) in it. So, And there's no like weird, yeah, it's just like these shows are very good. So I'm going to start off by talking about an amazing show from the 1990s, actually. I think we was saying that 1998 around there, like there was a real- What a time. Like absolute peak in artistic, beautiful, like quite subversive anime. We're talking about Neon Genesis and that kind of stuff. This is kind of in a similar boat. Yeah, Serial Experiments Lane. Yep. Great time, 98, 95 to 98. Yeah, great, great really, really good, anime. really interesting experimental anime that I think really holds up. Also the art style is very, always quite unique and it's yes. dated, but in a way that's still kind of cool. Like I think people are trying to like throw back to it now. Oh yeah. Everyone just wants to be in the nineties now. What's up with that? <laughs> Um, So this show is called Revolutionary Girl, Utena. There is actually probably out of every anime I've ever looked up in terms of an academic resource, this one is one of the most written about ever. This Sailor Moon and Neon Genesis. Mm -hmm. And Lane, series of series of of, also. I'll give you a quick rundown of this show, uh, just a quick synopsis like Sam usually does, but I'll give you one. So after the death of her parents, Utena Tenjo is consoled by a travelling prince who left her only with a mysterious ring bearing a rose crest and a promise they will meet again. After this encounter, Utena vowed to become a prince herself. Now at Otori Academy, Utena finds herself drawn into a dangerous game. After encountering students at her school with the same mysterious ring, Utena is introduced to a secret society of jewelists that compete for a prize, the Rose Bride, a fellow quiet student Anthe Humameya, who has a mysterious power. When Utena wins Anthe inadvertently when challenging a jewelist to a jewel when he was being a bully to her friend, she realizes she must keep duelling to save Anthe and discover the dark secrets behind Arturi Academy. So this show is completely surrealist. The style of it, everything. The jewels I'm talking, they have like long, thin swords. There's roses everywhere. It's all completely surreal. It is beautifully done. It's a queer, gender bending, like love letter. It is beautiful. There are like some trigger warnings in it as well. There is a Incestuous storyline. There is obviously violence. There's like a woman who's being essentially sold. But the actual storyline of it is, is quite groundbreaking. Anthi and Utena really do shatter some stereotypes around. I love that, that even that opening synopsis bit is so good where she meets the prince. Mm. And then instead of being like, I want to meet him again, she's like, I want to be the prince. <laughs> and that's the thing. She is the prince. And yet she still identifies as a female. So she's not dressing up all like She's like, she wears... Men's clothes and she's got her long pink hair. And at one point a character says to her, I remember this very vividly, sorry, I mistook you for a female. I think she said, I am a female. <laughs> I never said that I wasn't. And so it's kind of a thing where she, because mm. all the rest of the jewelers are men. Right. So it's pretty interesting. Without, I can't really go into it without spoiling too much about the actual storyline, but it sounds insane because it is kind of insane. Yeah, and yeah. It is hyper stylized, but it really, really does ask some deep philosophical questions. And it has a huge legacy. So I think that if you're wanting to watch something that kind of takes a magical girl stereotype, turns it on its head because yeah, I mean, we were talking about this earlier actually before we Mm. started recording, the magical girl stuff can be really awesome. Like Sailor Moon has a lot to offer. So good. But there is still kind of some things in there that are like, it's not super fan service but you could also argue you might feel uncomfortable watching like a transformation of a schoolgirl into a sexy sailor <laughs> outfit. And I, yeah, we I was saying that, you know, like it's funny when men have transformations like into, you know, superheroes, they gain armor and muscles. In uh, shojo magical girl anime, they tend to like lose clothes and then just have like a makeover. So it's sort mm. of like, it's kind of those gender stereotypes are really in place there. Uh, but without getting too much that, I think the Revolutionary Girl Utena is something that I would recommend anyone watch, also for the art style, the music. It's quite disturbing, surrealist, subversive, and just cool. It's really cool. I hate saying that, but I really like that show. <laughs> it also paved the way for shows such as like Puella, Maggi, Madoka, mm-hmm. Magica, Magica, which is a very famous show that I can't talk about too much because you can't spoil it. Why is it always like this for us? Like, I know, I know. You watch it and you think it's a classic Gojo Magical Girl, like, you know, young girls discovering they've got magical powers and then it really flips. And oh, it yeah. is quite quite an amazing, like, takedown of the genre, actually. So I recommend that one too. If you're liking Revolutionary Girl, you turn up. So that's uh one. Is there anything else you want to add to that?
0: I think Madoka Magica is definitely a big, big, big one for me. I mean, again, that difficult thing, a bit like Re Zero does, it subverts... The Isekai genre, whereas Madoka Magica really subverts the magical girl genre. So it's difficult if you haven't seen any magical girl genre.
1: I feel like most people would have, though. Sailor Moon yeah. is magical girl genre. Oh, it's Like it perfect, that exactly. kind of thing. Cardcaptor, Sakura, yes. Which yes. is actually kind of pretty, pretty good. Holds up Also pretty well. really well, yeah. Yeah. Um, that group, that do that clamp, they're called. They're like a yes. group of five Mangaka artists, females. And their stuff they do have got a huge like anthology of things. It's massive. Yeah. Their stuff's pretty interesting, pretty cool. Um, if you want to look that up, I recommend it.
0: Great. What else you got?
1: Cool. The other one I was going to say that I really think is i would we'll do a bit of a deep dive into is actually a sports anime. Hey. Okay. So think about anime and sports. Is it? It's pretty much always about a high school club <laughs> who needs more members, like literally. <laughs> and this show is that too. I wonder what it is. It's it's often male run sports with usually, or it's a female sexy team where they run out of court, like are they hypersexualized? Yeah. Like beach volleyball or that one where they like literally wrestle with their butts. I didn't didn't even bother to look up the name of it because I don't want to recommend it to anyone. (laughs) That is a thing. Uh, Um, So this show though, the complete contrary takes that and really manages to make this beautiful slice of life. Very compelling and very like hype sports show. It's called Chihaya Furu. So the storyline is middle schooler, Chihaya Asi has always lived her life under the shadow of her older sister and has resigned herself to dedicating her life to support her sister's modeling career until she meets the quiet, intense transfer student, Arata, who introduces her to the world of competitive Karuta. Karuta is an intense and demanding card game inspired by the classic Japanese anthology of 100 poets. So there are two decks in a Karuta game. Each deck contains 100 cards with a tanker poem printed on each. The game is played one-on-one and requires a great deal of memory and physical agility. So essentially all the cards have the poem assigned to them and they are flipped face down in an order, and there is a performer who reads out the poem, and they have to remember where it is in the first player to get it. There's always rules as well, and the right cards. So there's a hundred poems right. mind They have to remember where you look at it for like ten seconds at the start. So it's like intense memory, basically. And yeah, that's the game. And it's like a really kind of been played for so many years in mm. Japan, but it's not. Super popular, and apparently this anime actually like re-inspired a bunch of people to play. It's had a huge resurgence since it came out. Basically, Chihaya and her childhood friend Taichi and Arata, the quiet middle school student who introduced it to her, they join the local society. They spend all of their middle school years playing and idyllic, and it's all great. And then some circumstances drive them apart. Flash forward to high school now, where the show takes place. Chihaya is still completely obsessed with Karuda and dedicated to going and winning the national championships. However, there is one problem. She needs some more players to make up the team so that she can have the high school club. So suddenly reunited with these two people who are not as interested in Carita as she has to convince them to get back into it and find the same passion that she has. So yeah, it is very much a tried and tested trope of a sports game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Even though this technically could be considered a card game, it is a sport. Like you see, they have to like fully, it's this thing where you have to be really fit to be able to beat the person to it and it's like a full competitive crazy mental, but yeah basically she's an amazing lead protagonist she's really passionate really dedicated really smart and very much like there's a slow burn romance it's a love triangle of course there is but it's done in a really good way where I think that she never really loses sight of what she wants which is to be the national champion of a career. and again classic sports anime style I uh was so hyped by this 100 poem, like, you know, just by the end, I was like, get that, get that guy, oh my God, <laughs> like kind of. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good show that I recommend. It's like literally just wholesome, intriguing, good characters, like something really kind of unique to learn about as well. It's such a unique sport that no one, I could guarantee that no one knows about. I'd oh, yeah. like, tell me about Karudov. I was like, what are you talking about? No clue. I'm like, I have no idea. But like after I was like, oh, I kind of researched it and was like, this is amazing. Like, Maybe I should start a club. I didn't. I, I can't remember my bank details. Couldn't I couldn't members. Yeah. yeah. Oh, There's an anime. Oh. We got it. We got it. Yeah. So those are the two that I would say are, would be really comfortable recommending to anyone to watch, and they're very different genres. One's Magical Girl. One's like Surrealist. The other one is very slice of life, very realistic, and very kind of like contained in its own little world. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I do want to quickly touch on just some shows because I don't think that I, – I don't subscribe to that like it must have a strong female lead and like. Just any show that doesn't have absurd fan service. like uh, <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna give a couple of just gonna rattle off some recommendations. Feel free to jump in, Sam. Yeah, if yeah. you want, if you're wanting a good shonen, one I'd say is The Owner of the Dawn, which is actually oh, it's so good. I want to rewatch that. So like a female-led fantasy epic, and I love about the main character is she totally grows during it. She starts as this like useless princess character who gets exiled, and then she becomes this total badass, but in a really realistic way. It takes years. She works through her trauma. It's actually a really great show. There's Snow White with the red hair, the owner of the dawn, and Snow White with the red hair. The characters look exactly the same, and they came out the same year. Very different shows though. One's yeah. like a modern retelling of Snow White, but in, with like a spin on it where she's got a lot of agency. It's very good. Psychopaths, which yes. we've talked about a lot in the an episode, we did a deep dive onto that. It's just really you no. Know, there's like sexual characters. I'm not saying that characters can't be sexual and be it, but like. <laughs> of course. Yes, of course. Promised Neverland. Yes. That's one that is yes. also pretty chill. Uh, Made in Abyss is an interesting one. Yes, it is. Because there is actually some stuff in there that is a bit, makes people uncomfortable, So uncomfortable. There nudity. is.
0: Yes, there is. That is kind of weird. Uh, um, but it's a great show. That's a great show. Great, great soundtrack too.
1: The most famous of the shonen's well, my personal favourite, Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yes. Although it features two male Protagonists. Every single character in that show is completely fleshed out. There is literally no fan service in it at none. all.
0: It's also made by a woman, too. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's a really, really incredible. Sam and I talk about this all the time. It's, it's one of the best shows ever made in any medium. And I think yes. that characters that really hold up, everyone's fleshed out. So I would say that is a good one. Attack on Titan, zero fan service. Yes. Which none. is kind of unexpected for like a brutal, edgy show. Yeah. No fan service. None. Good. none
0: whatsoever. I mean, doesn't could argue that maybe some of the female characters aren't as fleshed out as as they could be, but it's still, yeah, no fan service whatsoever,
1: which is great. Hunter Hunter is again another one where we've got actually, Hunter Hunter really has some interesting spins on gender. Yeah, it does. So, when look for like a queer reading, you could probably go and look at that one for a lot, particularly about gender stuff. There's a lot of characters who are non binary or even trans or just like kind of don't identify. Mm-hmm. But Hunter Hunter also, again, it's a shonen with four male leads, but oh, yes. I do think there's no fan service in there. No. Oh, there is fan service in Brotherhood, but only with the character who's literally personifying lust. Yes, that's yes. fine. Like it's like saying the character personifying gluttony eats all the time. It's like really, you know, yeah, like it's a. It's pretty fair. It's a pretty like, you know, obvious take on it. It's not like they're trying to be, you know, erased. I haven't seen erased, but erased is
0: just- great. Erased is great. It's a, it's a really, it's worth a look. I think it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It is actually, yeah, really, really cool. It's, it's quite self-contained. It's just one series. Uh, it just tells its story beginning, middle, and end, which is really cool. It's a slight time travel thing. A great female characters, male lead. But yeah, really cool show, highly, highly recommend it. Definitely also a bit of a psychological thriller as well. It's a mystery, very much a mystery. The guy has an ability where he can sort of flash back in time and he ends up going right back into time when he was a primary school kid and one of his classmates disappeared, was found murdered. And he ends up going, flashing back from his like sort of 19, 20-ish year old career life uh, to being a kid back to where he was. And he sets about solving the crime because he still has all of his memories from the future so it's just about solving the crime and that's what it's all about it's really cool that sounds
1: cool mm. um re which we've talked about oh yeah at length um is one that is kind of not you know it i would say there is a moment in that show where one character does something i've never seen anyone do and call out a male protagonist i can't again we don't want to spoil it but um, i want to spoil spoil
0: spoiler but that's an amazing moment
1: yeah so Rezero has got i would say a great feminist moment yes but there's a Lot wrong with it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no fan service really. I mean, there's some stuff. Some. Yeah. It's not too bad.
0: I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's operating in a, in a whole genre, which is usually fucking rampant with the stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. So Isekai is usually really, really fan service y and kind of haram y, whereas this sort of pokes fun at that. It's still, obviously, those elements are all there because it is still the genre, but it does, it does really make comment on how kind of dumb that can be, but certainly sometimes is borderline with the harem stuff anyway.
1: Yeah, I would say Naruto has no character development in their female characters <laughs> at all, but it's not fan y Oh, no. it is. Sorry, it is. Oh my God. Jura- Naruto? Jiraiya. Oh yeah, Pebby sex, Sexy Nojutsu. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's pretty bad. Is
1: I it mean, though? It's I mean, kind of funny. Really. That, like is, it,
0: that is an example where it is kind of funny.
1: Yeah, they've actually, it's not, because it doesn't break the tension. That only happens in moments that is meant to be, and it's like kind of highlights Naruto's immaturity at the start of the series. That yes. he's like actually done this quite complex. If anyone hasn't seen, it, it's not a spoiler. He's like quite a you know useless ninja yeah, he has, at the start. That's
0: one really really good ability from the very start, and that's where he can turn into a very sexy lady.
1: Yeah, basically, and it's <laughs> kind of funny because it's actually quite a complex thing, that's... and it. It's it's just it's well done, but it's like you know it's a bit ridiculous. But they they play up the insanity with that like do 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 that fucking like weird sexy saxo that comes in. Like I'm okay with that. I'll uh, I'll sign off on that, but I will not sign off on any of the character development on any of those anime characters. Oh, Sakura! Wow, wow they wow. really messed that up. Terrible. Bleach,
0: Terrible.
1: bit fan servicey.
0: That's, that's not too bad.
1: Actually, this, we're going to talk about Bleach soon. We are. Actually. We're Do. Um, a few episodes. Yeah, yeah. We're
0: talking about Bleach. We're going to get deep into it. But, um. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's the saviour complex with, the, with with Ichigo, the, the lead. And, yes, it does get a bit harem to a degree, but, like, not not really. I mean, Orihime is not a great example of a strong feminist character. Uh, Rukia is, though. Yeah, Rukia is good. Rukia is a really strong, headstrong, powerful character. She's cool.
1: One thing I should mention about Revolutionary Girl Utena is they take that saviour storyline and they really question it because she's right. trying to save and the the whole time but then it's kind of like what? Well, it's really interesting it's like that thing where they kind of it's like who asked you to do that so it's this whole sort Very of like they really turn the savior complex thing on its head which is kind of cool and ahead of its time i love it
0: it's great uh place further than the universe is a great great show it's really it's quite simple It's just four young female friends at school who want to who want to go to antarctica and then they embark upon said journey to Antarctica and it's just about female friendship. It's fucking great. So wholesome. It's really wholesome and it's really well done. I would strongly suggest that to anybody. It's just a great, great, great show.
1: And I was researching things I could talk about. That one came up more times than I can count. Yeah, so did brilliant. March Comes In Like a Lion, actually. So yes, yeah, fair enough. It is interesting when you're looking at the shows because it got to the point where I was just like, what is not objectively, offensively intense and problematic? And it actually cuts out quite a few famous shows. It does. It does. I it's- mean you wanted to talk about some of the ones I would avoid. Yeah, what would you avoid, Charlotte? Uh, Fire Force, obviously. I yeah. of the Dead, you mentioned yeah. those. Yes. But I would also probably avoid it's hard because Devil Man Cry Baby is, by all accounts, quite an artistically well expressed and interesting show, mm-hmm. but the sexual violence in it it's rough. is rough. It's, it's hard rough. to get through. One thing I will say is that with the, these ones, you're kind of just like, Is it too much? Is it kind of, and they're not saying it's a good thing though. It's not highlight, like they kind of could be showing, but it it appears kind of like torture porny. It's pretty. And that's not ideal. And I was
0: surprised at the mainstream appeal that that show had. When Netflix did release it last year. Two years ago. Two years ago now. It it was really well, it was pushed. You know, I guess my algorithm probably is different to most on social media because obviously anime stuff is more likely to come on my feed because of obviously, but like at the same time, I was quite surprised to see how, Heavily, Netflix marketed it, and it did do really well. It was a big, quite a big thing. As a big
1: director, too. Big and, director and yes. visual, visually also like it's a reboot of a very famous Devilman Man is a very huge, famous huge, huge the seventies, eighties.
0: I found that hard to watch, to be honest with you. I I really quite struggled my way through that. The ending also sucked, but I <laughs> I really found that show to be quite disturbing to me. Again, artistically very interesting, like coolish story, very stylish, but yeah, the the sexualization stuff again, again not that anime needs to not you know depict sex but it's the way in which it's depicted that's that can be very disturbing and that that was really borderline and crossed the border for me quite a few times to be honest
1: yeah same with berserk though oh Bers- <laughs> so that's this thing like you know and i'm not saying i'm not trying to be like because i do think that there is a point where it's like well you know sometimes these you know the darker themes and this kind of stuff needs to be explored but yeah. that's freedom of expression in that way but there are so these are kind of different from when we're talking about Fire Force, which is like, and now there's boobs. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, like, yes. That's of like, pure fan service. Yeah. Like, these are truly dark and just, I think, she just they do have content warnings. Yeah, it, and so. the
0: story, you know, the things that happen in Berserk are in service to the plot mm. and they do push character development. They're not just like, shots of tits, you know, like it's mm. not, there's no op-high characters in that.
1: It's still something I would say, watch with, with a oh, caution.
0: Some, man, Berserk is fucking rough, not just... In the in that side of things, which is a really violent show, great show though. Fuck, it's good. Love Berserk. Don't Clearly. watch the new one with CGI. Do not watch the 2016 remake of Berserk. It they they basically took a big shit on something that we all love.
1: Actually, you know what? Speaking of CGI, I'm going to jump back to something I would recommend: Land of Lustrous. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. so that was the only show that I think I've ever seen where I went, "Damn, this CGI looks yeah. amazing." Do you, you know the the jewel? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. gems. There, it is truly. Yeah, it's beautiful to watch and also really interesting. And all the characters are completely non-binary. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bit different in that way, but it's a really kind of, you want to go deep with it. Like there's a lot of stuff to do with body and being, basically they're all gemstones who are being hunted by big monsters, but it looks really beautiful. And I recommend watching it just for the art style. Yeah. The one time CG worked <laughs> in anime, Land of Lostrus.
0: But I just want to jump back on something you spoke about earlier, but the magical girl thing, the transformations, mm-hmm. what that actually represents and yes, you know, with Dragon Ball Z, the Super Saiyan thing, they get more muscular and, and jacked and, or they get armor or Ichigo's clothes change in bleach for some reason. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess the cool coat somehow. Anyway, um, like that's a great coat, but why does it change? Anyway, I don't know. it doesn't matter, looks it doesn't good. matter. It looks I great. Can... Taikubo draws really cool aesthetics. We'll talk about that soon. But the magical girl thing, and it's sort of something we've talked about in the Ghibli Pixar. It's also something to do with the innocence of childhood versus growing mm-hmm. up right and I think that's quite metaphorical in the magical girl genre is that is that correct
1: yeah absolutely so there's a reason why and I think that I've actually just I'm trying to find it now so I can cite it properly I was reading this amazing article about how in things like Sailor Moon and everything that the the shoujo protagonist being usually like 14 at mm-hmm. the oldest like honestly yep. younger like 12 to 14 yes very much pre-teen kind of teenager that kind of Magical girl, like hero, kind of thing, is very much in its own kind of utopic sort of sphere, and the villains are often older women who are hypersexualized or wearing to or like or career driven kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's often been kind of comparisons drawn to like that the expectation is that you have your freedom when you're young and you can do all this magical stuff. And then like the reality is you have to do what's expected of you when you're older, which is like, I think pretty accurate in a lot of things for everyone. Absolutely. Metaphorical for fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Western Eastern doesn't matter. I think that it is very interesting when it is quite obvious like that. So the villains are people who have kind of continued on this path for too long almost. Like it's like you, that's a representation of someone who did the maybe who doesn't value the right things. Sure. Yeah, and the innocence of childhood and the transition into adulthood is just so intense. So it's explored a lot in, in all anime. A lot of anime, you know. I mean, the beauty of High
0: Q is that youthful innocence of just the fact that these guys are playing volleyball for their school, and it's it's the most important thing in the world. And just before anything else in life becomes so important, so as they can stop doing that, you know, they're going to pay a mortgage or fucking make sure that their children get fit. You know what I mean? It's just these kids playing high school volleyball to the highest level. And it's fucking beautiful and it's amazing, you know? But like outside of that, once I get older, well, even just playing for a club or amateur, you know, sure it's still important, but it's never the same, you know? And Miyazaki deals with this all the time in Studio Ghibli films, the idea of the, that beautiful innocence of, of childhood. And then usually the bad guys are corrupted adults who have, you know, whether they've embraced too much modernity or, or capitalism or, you know, the things which drive us as in our adult worlds and lives. Which are irrelevant to children or young people any or adolescents. You know, I think it's a really interesting thing to to think about.
1: I've got this great quote from an academic called Komiko Sato from the book uh, Magic Shoujo and Metamorphosis, Magical Girl Anime and the Challenges of Changing Gender Identities in Japanese society. Okay. Which is a book, it's very good. Just talking about the kind of different layers of shoujo and like the difference. This is kind of talking about specifically in the 70s and 80s quote is all in all the new setting adopted in this series just a shojo kind of thing and it's a new kind of norm is that a mediocre girl accidentally gains magic becomes a useful mechanism for the underlying theme that the heroine is foredoomed to say farewell to magic in the end this rhetorical device transforms latent power amorphous girl into the reappreciation of traditional gender norms by equating magic the shojo hood to be given up at a certain stage. Mm. But yeah, that's what you were saying, essentially. It is a fascinating subject. There's a lot of writing on and we're not gonna solve it here today. But I thought it'd be kind of interesting that you can watch this stuff and actually kind of think a bit more about what the actual meaning is. Anime isn't
0: riddled with, with fan service. There's a lot of it, but it is, it's, even the more mainstream stuff these days, is starting to move away from it. Fire Force is sort of the first time in a while I've seen such overt fan service in, in a show name. I think
1: it's because there's so much content available that there's like shows that you can seek out that will do that and then mainstream shows that are kind of more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a whole subset of. Etchy, etchy stuff. Bord but you know Bord what, Hentai, like, you know?
1: that's very easy to avoid if you're oh, just going, so like, honestly. I, I almost
0: never come across it. Yeah. It's just not in my It's actually more in sphere. the classics
1: that we're talking about, really. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, 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 yeah. that's a thing where that's kind of, I guess we just all went to Blockbuster and hideout out whatever we saw and probably saw some some weird shit. Some you know, really like, weird shit. yeah, yeah absolutely. and now it's kind of, I guess you say there's like a censorship or even just like more knowledge about everything. It's not yeah. just like, oh, this is anime and anime is only this. It's like, this is everything in these yeah. categories. And
0: it's very much a stigma attached to it. We've spoken about this quite a few times before, the stigma attached to anime. And a lot of it is the overt sexualization, I think. And it's not an unfair criticism. You know, it's a very fair criticism, especially from those who, who aren't across the medium. Yeah, it is it is something that's that's weird. And especially, you know, we blinker it and we do not apologise for it, but accept it perhaps more than we should. But at the same time, it is getting better. Well, it's like everything. The subset of it, which angles in on ecchi, and There's there's a lot of that and it's really hardcore. But again, super easy to avoid.
1: I want to go back quickly. We're talking about fandom mm. and the anime community really quickly. I just want to go back and talk about how I think it, the weird thing about these days is that nerd culture is pop culture. Absolutely. So it's kind of a thing where we used to be, we, like, I'm a nerd. So (laughs) I'm I'm the gatekeeper. No, nerds used to be, you know, the bully, the ostracized, the kind of, you know, and I think that along with that, there was kind of a level of exclusivity that came along with actually being a fan of something. So then when, you know, Marvel, MCU, all this stuff became the mainstream, I think people were a bit annoyed that suddenly people who didn't have to suffer through maybe necessarily social things or being ostracized by their love is now, yeah. you know, in some ways it's like good, but also now it's a mainstream. So it's like, oh, it's very changing. I think there's a lot of resentment. Of course there is. Of and course. a lot of snobbery that comes along with it. It sounds so weird to say out loud, but it's of No, but like, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and, you know, I guess you put yourself in the
0: shoes of say, let's 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 not get too stereotypical, but some nerd who likes anime and video games and Is this just you talking about yourself?
1: <laughs> some guy like, I don't some know, guy, like, just uh, a yeah. friend of a friend, friend of, of a <laughs> <like>, oh, guy. <laughs> some cool girl who, like, used to run anime <laughs> uh, She sounds hot though, So <laughs>
0: <laughs> But I think it's it's something if 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 you were, if you weren't part of the popular group at school or whatever, and you had this thing that you had and you felt was your retreat from what was happening around you, you do feel an intense ownership of it. And I guess this, and this is what Gamergate was all about at the end of the day, is that, and it's fucked. It's so fucked, but the idea of that, like, oh, well, hold on. No, if you were a popular and cool or a chick, and I'm using that term de- deliberately. chick um, dee
1: you
0: know, <laughs> uh, No, you can't have this thing that that we have. You mm. know what I mean? Like, you didn't suffer, stuff, you were cool. You got to hang out. No, you don't get to watch the stuff that we watch, which saved me from a terrible, teenagehood or whatever, making gross generalizations. But I I think this is sort of where it comes from, right? So that's where the gatekeeper thing comes from. And like, you know, see it all the time, especially in the gaming world, especially in the game. Oh, she's a tryhard. Oh, she's just doing it. It's all thirst trap. Oh, she's just doing it for attention. You know, all that fucking bullshit. I've got
1: this great quote from a Guardian article in 2013 about the women geek world. And it says, and I'm not, and I don't, this is going to sound really harsh. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but, um. says, yet women coming into the geek world have found themselves on the wrong end of an ugly backlash from men who claim that they are fake geeks who are, irony with an irony, only getting involved to win attention from geek boys. We've clearly reached some kind of end point where these sort of people who used to be shunned can now think of themselves as prize catchers.
0: Well, there you go. Exactly yeah. right. That's a, That's a much clearer clear. thought on what I was trying to say, but better. That's why they write for The Guardian. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, uh. <laughs> it's a top publication. Um, yes. It is interesting, though, because, it yeah, it's sort of, bizarre and i think that and often like i'll not associate myself with, i will catch myself sometimes seeing people watching anime like casually and be like they don't know anything about it <laughs> and then i'll have to catch myself and be like hey it doesn't belong to you yeah just because you found some naruto dvds in your brother's room watch them when you're 14 and <laughs> you own the entire fucking like Motion billionaire corporation like what is this weird ownership that we have and i think a lot of people resent stranger things for Dungeons and dragons becoming mainstream yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and I'm like sure.
1: you know and like nerds are cool now whatever like Shouldn't they be happy that the younger generation don't have to suffer the way we do? Oh, uh, well, I don't think- I th- Not think, the way suffer suffered, to be honest. No, no, we, you know, the exclusivity thing
0: is bizarre because, I mean, the whole reason we started this podcast was to get more people into this. You know, I want to talk, I want to have this more mainstream. I want more people, And it, you know. That's a
1: good point, yeah. You know, that's, like, that's the
0: whole reason. It's like, it's a it's good thing that it's becoming more mainstream. It's a good thing that this more normalized and now it's not some niche weird thing that only you and three other people you knew spoke about or knew about, you know, and like My I get-
1: yeah, but you know, I get <laughs> <laughs> your fake and, again, me exactly. and some probably like twelve year old from Alabama just like talking about bleach. <laughs>
0: exactly. You know, now it's now it's everywhere, and I think it's a good thing. I really do, and I think trying to be a gatekeeper or an elitist about things. Just, my God, if you go on Reddit or uh, my anime list, talk, you know, Mal. Yeah, God, you can see some fucking wankers talking some bullshit to each other. You know, and it's like mean, it's anything. It's anything. Yeah, sport. It's, of, it's everywhere. There's
1: a sport to that as well. I think a lot of people probably would be happy to be able to talk about. It. I think it's kind of like. A bit of a game in that way to be like oh it is Your like you know we love sam and i often are guilty of being like that's a shit show like you're wrong like remember like not actually <laughs> you know resenting the other person for attempting to watch something and enjoying it like it's yeah. always you can like what you like and also it shows that we probably talk about you're gonna hate yeah so, totally it's all i'm good. really sorry if i steered you down the wrong path <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah i do think that i am not saying that fandom and community is a bad thing i think that actually it's particularly like when conventions were around everything like that it was just really it was kind of a beautiful thing and I will say that the conventions I was involved in were run predominantly by really kind really nice often women people running these conventions just so they could you know dress up and and I love the fan like fanfic cosplay that stuff I actually think is pretty awesome it's great it's really unique in a way that people kind of take these worlds and they had their own kind of authorship over it yeah it's like fanfic you can just take it and you can like I know that sounds like someone's ruining someone else's work, but it's not. It's like this like love letter to it, like yeah. all the Harry Potter fanfics, all that kind of stuff. Like it, they are so invested in this world that they can even take their own authorship. And that's why there's so many like subversive kind of writings of fanfic that often, you know, kind of take things that are like the gender norms and swap them or like do something totally. that's subversive with this because they have that kind of freedom and this world allows them to kind of feel like they have this creative. I think it's actually all, often a really good thing. It's just unfortunate that this particular nerd culture has got some pretty bad history to it. Yeah, some really, Gate. really toxic stuff. Yeah, yeah, some
0: really toxic stuff. And you know, Marla Yiannopoulos, what people don't know who is an absolute piece of shit, obviously. Uh Gamergate, he was he got famous from Gamergate. He was Did one of he? the main people. I mean I'm not so like
1: I'm like that Pikachu shocked face right now. Like <laughs> really. Like, oh
0: no. Yeah, because he was he was the
1: Do you wanna explain Gamergate for those people out like there just like briefly?
0: I'll give it briefly. Basically, a female gaming developer. Sexist, is no, I'm joking.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> Could have pause it, like, the whole point of the whole thing. Sorry, keep going.
0: Named Zoe Quinn, an independent game developer, released a game called Depression Quest, which was a text-focused game designed to convey the experience of depression through a series of fictional scenarios. And it was initially received really, really positively by large swathes of the gaming community. She Probably got what? a
1: good review. Yeah. And then it came out that they were romantically linked a whole year after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone claimed that it was a sexual yeah, like, they just went down this path because someone made a good game that got well reviewed. It was just so ridiculous. Yeah, it was,
0: it was, and you know, apparently she only got a good review because she'd had sex with the person who wrote the review. Blah, blah, you know, even though they
1: proved multiple times they hadn't even met before that. Yeah, point. it was just it
0: got it's fucking crazy. And she intense. was doxxed, she had death threats. It was like, it's not it just got like insane. Yeah, it was really insane. bad. Insane. And Marla Yiannopoulos is one of the people leading the charge. So, you know, there you go. That's the level of character that was involved there. So it's, I've explained that really badly, but if you want to go look it up, there are extensive articles written about it and it's a very depressing read.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, like only if you really have to. Like yeah. it's It's, 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 it's fascinating
0: it's... to really get your head around nerd culture and and the toxic side of it. You know, it's, and I, I haven't looked at it for quite a few years. I did read about it quite extensively when it was happening. And, you know, the anime community is not, we haven't had anything so public, but it can get real toxic as well. You know, I've seen I've seen quite a few comments online of you know women talking and just getting shouted down. I mean, you know, I, I play online games. I play Overwatch, and man, I have seen people just go to town just because it's a girl playing, and all of a sudden it's just all this horrific. The whole tone of the game changes, and people start. It's weird,
1: man, and I feel terrible for them. And it's no, you know, it's it's rough. It's rough. Now I love video games, but I am objectively terrible at video games, <laughs> but I suck. I love watching them. I love playing them badly in my own. But like, I have this thing where I feel like as a female wanting to join this geek culture, if I want to play online, even just casually, as soon as you're a female, you have to be either incredibly amazingly good and your skill speaks for itself. You can't just be a casual player like anyone can be, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm a girl. And they're like, you better be fucking good. Or like, you're actually just yeah. doing it for attention. Like, I'm like, what if I just want to like, I don't know, play Smash Brothers and yeah, have a good time cares. and be bad at Princess Peach and just ha my way through the level and hit people in <laughs> an umbrella. Like, what, uh, I'll, just let me live, like, you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's fucking crazy, it's man. It's really interesting. I've, and, yeah, I've seen it a few times.
0: Oh, fuck, we've got a fucking girl, boys. Oh, we're going to get fucking smashed now. And then just, you know, attacking, 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 and they've, like, lost the game before they've even begun. And I'm like, what is going on here? What the fuck? I guess that, that that defensiveness of this R ah, thing, mine, not yours. You're not allowed it. Yeah. It's like it's rank misogyny, and it's.
1: I was in a tutorial once, so I was studying for gender studies unit, and one girl was talking about her experience of Magic the Gathering. Oh yeah, yeah, and she yeah. She yeah. was saying that it was just a thing where you couldn't even join a table unless you proved that you were like, <laughs> obscenely talented at Magic mm. the Gathering, like you couldn't just. Whereas other people. Like other men would just be like, I want to give it a shot. And people are like, come and join. And Get like, on in here, guy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah well, wow, sweet. Like, <laughs> I'll teach you. Uh, yeah, like, fucking hell. And I think that's something that is uh, – one thing I would say is I'm really stoked about how many people, including females, and anyone really. Again, I'm sorry about talking in binaries here, everyone. Like it's just a – we're talking about the inherent misogynist culture. So it is kind of a thing where I'm talking in a binary, but I do not – And obviously there is plenty of things at play here that are definitely not – acknowledging right now, but I think Dungeons and Dragons seems to be incredibly inclusive. Yes. It seems that everyone's getting involved. And I think it's hit that mainstream level where people are actually just, people who like Dungeons and Dragons and it always have, they just want to talk about it. It seems like a really lovely.
0: It's great. I play it. It's, it's yeah. heaps of fun. It's heaps Me of fun. too. I
1: play it as well. And I think that like, that's a nerd culture that I haven't seen a toxic side to. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a super toxic side to it, but I haven't looked at it. And I, I feel like that's a really good example of how. Something becoming mainstream that you love is actually working in your advantage because you have yes. people to play with and people get invested and people want to do it and like yeah I think that that's a example of how to handle something becoming mainstream. Yeah, I'm sure that I'll get off this podcast and go and look up and find some horrific like oh there's, and there's dragons, tons like, there's tons but, really um, oh no yeah. oh God, of course there is don't ruin it for me. Uh,
0: <laughs> but yeah I think I'll, as a from a broad brush trick yeah that that is a a nerd thing that has embraced its new popularity i think the vast majority of that community are just totally open to like yeah cool get on, get on in here you know let's let's, let's play dnd who cares and i think that's really cool but yeah the, the anime community could, could certainly be a lot more inclusive could be a lot less elitist a uh, lot less sexist mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so could the gaming community but yeah th- these are just reflections of of society you know so so could all of society look at the fucking president of the united states uh, you know what i mean do like, you reckon he's
1: he's an in- he likes anime (laughs) i think he likes etchy
0: for sure yeah yeah. yeah, sorry Um. (laughs) he actually wrote fire force
1: Uh, last thing i wanted to do is come out and just shit all over a community that i love you know like i love anime i love talking about it and i love talking about the aspects like the artwork what's new what's coming and how like how free and imaginative, like all the things that we love about it and we talk to you guys about all the time it's like why we started the podcast but I think it's really, I was spending a lot of time skirting around the fact that there is definitely blatant problems with sexism, some like problematic shows out there that you should avoid. And like, I just thing where I wanted to kind of try and create a safe space to talk about this stuff, but without judging anybody for liking it. Too. That's the thing. If so you like ecchi,
0: you like hentai, all good. Mm-hmm. Not a problem, you know, it's not, not for us to judge, you know. No. Different strokes for different folks, y'all. It's definitely something I think needs, need, we needed to address at some point because it is a big major turnoff factor. For a lot of people, and a big barrier to people getting into this entire medium,
1: and it's also the association people have. Yes. Uh, with the the stereotype of an anime nerd, you yeah. know, Having the otaku culture, having like the you know two D wife pillows and yep. the waifus and like those gratuitous statues, yes. that kind of stuff. Yes, like, yes. that's a thing. Yeah. But doesn't have to be. You know, that someone likes that, that's fine. But that's cool. other people don't. So it's the thing where, like, it's just that, unfortunately that is the main stereotype. So we have to address it as. We do, and you know, you don't. We didn't have want to, to pass be. judgment, though. We really didn't want to come on here and like mans. Well, I mean, over explain. You know, like <laughs> try and talk about something that is so large, but just in terms of getting into anime, I think it's important just to know that there are aspects like in any other medium that have that. And so here's just like a couple of lists of things that might you might won't have to you know you won't have to deal with it, which is good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well. Yeah. Cool. Glad we got to have a chat about this. And yeah, like I say, if if you feel like we've attacked you personally <laughs> as a listener, please up with no, That's not our intention.
1: Also, like I'm I'm watching Rent a Girlfriend, so like, <laughs> like attack me. Like sometimes there's some trash I am to be not consumed. You know, entirely. Like I've watched some trash before. Oh, but gotcha. Not, but not. I feel like not that bad.
0: Like, no, not really. Not in the scheme of Just things. like not
1: a good show. But, but you know, I
0: mean, we're we, we gonna. I mean, you know, I suppose you could level these accusations at Quentin Tarantino. You know oh, Oh, one hundred
1: percent. You got three hours. I'll yeah, jump you know, on that. It's, down, so it's, it's
0: it's across everything. It's not. It's just the problem is in anime, it can get gratuitous, and it is unfortunately a stigma which is attached to it. And yeah, it's there. But you know, you can easily listen to this podcast, and we'll steer you clear of it. So yeah, that's
1: what we're here to do. Until next week, I'm like Fire Force. My favorite show.
0: <laughs> Why Fire Force is actually genius.
1: <laughs> apology, official <laughs> apology to Fire Force season two. <laughs> actually, a feminist masterpiece <laughs> with pacing, brilliance, narratively astounding work sorry anyway yeah. thanks for listening guys sorry if i rambled at you actually no i'm doing that thing where i'm apologizing for talking even though i'm on podcast don't be doing that why am i doing that sorry, patriarchy man. wait i just oh my god i'm out i'm out <laughs> thanks for listening
0: thanks very much everyone uh, we'll catch you next week bye